Good morning, church. Good morning and welcome to Riverside. Welcome to the 11 o'clock. So glad you are here. And if you're joining us for church online, uh, we're glad that you're joining us today for worship. It's Easter Sunday. It's one of our favorite days of the year. Maybe our most favorite day of the year. Today is a day of celebration. It's a day of hope. It's a day of joy. It's a day uh, of resurrection. And we love, we love everything about this day as we come together today to celebrate the greatest story ever told. It's Easter Sunday. And it's my prayer that, that maybe today for someone somewhere, this Easter Sunday will be their resurrection Sunday. But before we begin today, I want to take just a quick moment to tell you what's coming up next Sunday here at Riverside. Next Sunday, we're going to start a brand new series here that we're simply calling Family Forward. And so if you've ever wondered about how to build your life, how to build your family on a strong foundation, I want to invite you to come back, if you're joining us online, to join us online next week as we begin this series called Family Forward that's all about thinking about uh, what, what could be and what should be about having the kind of vision and the kind of values for your life and for your family and even for this church that we can build upon moving forward. Not, not that we're already there yet. I know we're not all already there yet, but we've come through so much over the past year. And the question I feel like that's hanging in the balance right now in this moment is what could be and what should be as we move forward, as you move forward in your own life, as you move forward in, in the life of your family, as we move forward as a church. So I pray you'll join us next because we begin that together. But today, today is Easter. And today I want to begin with three words that I believe are the essence of Easter. Three words that, at least for me, they hold the meaning of Easter. Inside of these three words, I believe, is, is the power of of Easter. And so today, as we begin this Easter Sunday, I want you to hear these three words. May you know that you are loved. You are loved. And I want to say that again because I know for some of you, maybe it's been, maybe it's been a long time since you've heard somebody say those three words to you, but I want you to know that this is true for you. That you are loved. Maybe this past year you've been told that you are a lot of things. And maybe some of those things are good things, and maybe some of those things are maybe not so good things. But this is the one thing that I know is true about you, because this comes from the heart of God. You are loved. You are loved. This is the message of Easter. This is the hope of Easter. This is the truth of Easter, that you 
are loved. But for a lot of people, and you know this is true, there are a lot of people in our lives, there are a lot of people in our community, there are a lot of people in our world that don't know they are loved. And because they don't know they are loved, they are lost. If you've been tracking with us here at Riverside over the past few weeks, we've been, we've been talking about a story about, about a lost sheep that Jesus once told. If you've been with us, you know this story. If, if you don't know this story, I can, I can catch you up real quick. A story Jesus once told about a man who had a hundred sheep and then one of those sheep got lost. And over the past few weeks, as we've been talking about that story, some of you, more than one of you, have sent me this story about another lost sheep. Has anybody seen this picture or, or heard this story about this, uh, this sheep? This is a sheep that was lost for five years in the woods. Can you imagine this? And as you can see, he is covered in wool, 80 pounds of wool. It's, he's, it's so overgrown, he can't, he can't even see. It's covering his eyes. He's been out in the woods, left unattended, all by himself, no one to look after him, no one to care for him. And for any sheep to, to carry around that much extra weight, that much extra wool, it's an incredible burden to bear. It was incredibly painful. That wasn't the way he was created to live. That wasn't the way he was created to be. If that's what happens to a sheep that gets lost in the woods, can you imagine what happens to people who get lost? What happens when somebody gets lost for a year? What happens when somebody gets lost for five years? I I know for so many people, That's what this past year has felt like. And if this past year living through a pandemic has taught us anything, it's probably taught all of us, our experience has told us, has taught us that that for a lot of us, we've been lied to most of our lives. We were told and we were taught that, you know what, independence is the goal of the American life. That, that at some point you got to grow up and you got to get to a point where you can stand on your own two feet all by yourself. That, that independence is the goal of this life and that, that it's weakness to ask for help. In fact, it's a sign of incompetence if you can't do things on your own. You've got to be able to, to, to grow up and be able to stand up and get along and, and make a way for yourself. And the truth is... That couldn't be further from the truth. The truth is that couldn't be further from the truth. Because you were not created to go it alone. And this life is not about looking out for yourself. It's not about looking out for number one. It's about looking out for each other and taking care of each other. And it's not a sign of weakness if you need to ask for help. It's not a sign of incompetence if you can't do everything on your own. It's a reminder that you weren't created to do this life alone that, and that different people have different gifts and talents and abilities and that we were made for each other. The truth is we need each other and we need God. But if you felt a little lost over the past year, and I want you to know you, you're not alone. And the good news today, the good news is that we serve a God. And our God is a God who loves lost things. And that's why when Jesus on on one occasion was surrounded by people, uh, some of these people were known as notorious sinners. And some of these people were known as the religious elite. And they had all gathered around him to hear him teach. And he began to tell story after story after story about lost things. And that first story was a story about a man who had a hundred sheep. And one of them got lost. 
And so Jesus asks his audience, he says, what should the man do? And everybody in the audience knew what the man should do. Sinner and saint alike, they all agreed, they all understood. This is what the man should do. If he had a hundred sheep and he lost one, he should leave the 99 and go find that one that was lost and bring it home. And then Jesus tells another story. This time it's a story about a woman who had 10 coins and she lost one. And again, he asked his audience, what should the woman do? And everybody in the audience understood. They all knew, they all agreed on what the woman should do. She should stop what she's doing. Search high and low. Look in every nook and cranny of the house. Search the entire house until she finds that one coin that was lost. And then, just to push the point just a little bit further, Jesus tells another story. And this time the story is about a father. A father who has two sons. And one of his sons, the, the younger son, comes to his father and he asks him, he says, I want, I want my share of the inheritance early. And the father does something that fathers don't typically do. He said, okay. And he gave his son uh, his share of the estate. And the son took the money and he went off into the far country and he spent every dime. And about that time, a famine hit. Well, now he's really in trouble. I mean, what, what's he going to do? The guy's got no money. He's got no friends. He's got no people. He's got no family. He's got no job. He's got nothing. There's a famine in the land. These are desperate times. This is a desperate situation. So he, he goes and he finds work from a pig farmer. And his job is to feed the pigs. And he gets so hungry that even the slop that he feeds the pigs begins to look good to him. And it's at that moment that he realizes even the servants... In my father's house, have it better off than me. E even the servants in my father's house, they've got clean clothes to wear and they've got a warm place to sleep. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, I, I know what I've done is horrible, but maybe, just maybe, I can return to my father. I can tell him how sorry I am and maybe he'll take me back and I can just be a servant, I can just be a slave in the house of my dad. And he gets up and he begins his long journey home. And he travels for, we, we don't even know how long. But one day, he crests that last hill. And off in the distance, he can see, he can see his father's house. He can see the, the place where he grew up. What he doesn't know is that his father can see him. His father's been out there every day, waiting, watching, hoping. And as soon as his father sees him, as soon as the father sees the son, the father takes off running towards his son. The son can't believe his eyes. He's not sure he's ever seen his daddy run before, but now his daddy is running right down the road as fast as he can towards him. As soon as his dad gets within earshot, he begins to, to call out, Father, I'm so sorry, I've sinned. But he can't get another word out because as soon as the father gets to his son, he nearly tackles him in a warm embrace. And now he's squeezing his son so tight, his son can't breathe, much less talk. And then the father calls out to the servants. They had been running down the road right behind him the whole way. And now the father turns around and he tells the servants, Hey, fire up the barbecue. Set the tables. Bring some clean clothes for my boy. There's going to be a party tonight. Why? Because the son of mine was dead, but now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. His older brother, the older son, 
comes by that night and he smells the barbecue. Smells good. Here's the, the music playing. There's a party going on. But he didn't know why. He wasn't home earlier when his younger brother arrived. He didn't get the text message about the party plans that night. And so he grabs somebody and he says, hey, what's, what's going on? And they begin to tell him, you're not going to believe this. Your brother, he's back. He's alive. He's home. And your, pa- your, your, your father has thrown a party for him. And you would think in that moment, that brother would be so excited so happy that his brother was alive, so happy that his brother was home that he would be out there partying and dancing with the rest of the family. But, but no, no, not at all. That's not what happened. His brother was filled with anger, so angry that his brother was being celebrated while he was being unappreciated. Truth was, that couldn't have been further from the truth. And as soon as the father realized how how his older son felt, he went to him and he found him. And he said, you you don't understand. Everything I have, everything I have is yours. And then the story ends. We don't know what happens next. You might say this is a story about Two lost sons. One son was lost and was found. The other son was standing right there, right in front of his father, but couldn't have been more lost. And we don't know if that son ever made the move from lost to found. We don't know if that son ever stepped into the loving embrace of his father. So Jesus tells these three stories back to back to back. And he wants everyone to know, you want to know what God is like? This is what God is like. God is like a man who had a hundred sheep and then then he loses one. God is like a woman who had ten coins and then she loses one. God is like, he's like a father who had two sons, both of which lost their way somewhere along the way. You, you want to know what God is like? This is what God is like. Our God is a God who loves lost things, but not just lost things. Our God is a God who loves lost people. Because you see, when Jesus told the story about the lost sheep, he wasn't talking about a sheep. He was talking about lost people. And when Jesus told the story about the lost coin, he wasn't talking about the lost coin. He was talking about lost people. And when, when, when Jesus told the story about the father who had, who had two sons, he wasn't just talking about lost boys. He was talking about what happens when people lose their way. You see, Jesus wanted everyone to know this, this is what God is like. Our God is a God who loves lost things. Really, our God is a God who loves lost people. And every time someone makes that move from lost to found, from death to life, there's a party. Why? Because this is what matters most to God. What matters most to God are people, especially people who, for whatever reason, are far from God. You want to know what God is like? This is what God 
is like. So you remember the story about that lost sheep that was out in the woods for five years, our friend Barak. Uh, the good news is someone found him. And when they found him, they put him on a trailer. And they brought him to a place in Australia called Edgar's Mission. And there in that place, they began to cut away that 80 pounds of wool. There were sticks and twigs matted in that fleece. And finally, it took them almost an hour to cut away that 80 pounds of fleece. But when they did, he was able to stand. And he felt strength in his legs like he hadn't felt in a really long time. Whenever they relieved him of that burden, he was able to stand up and move around. He was able to eat and mingle with other sheep. He was, he was able to get healthier and stronger every single day. Why? Because this lost sheep was found, was loved, and was restored to a caring community. And here's what I want you to know today, that there is someone who is looking for you. There was someone who cares so deeply for you. There's a lot of names that we use to, to describe Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to call Jesus. Maybe my favorite name is Good Shepherd. And I want you to know there is nothing that our Good Shepherd would love more than to relieve you of whatever burden is weighing you down. There is nothing our Good Shepherd would love more than to find you, to bring you home, to show you that you are loved. In fact, there's nothing you could ever do that would make him love you less and restore you into a loving community. There is nothing that Jesus wouldn't do to help you understand that he wants to relieve you of every burden. He wants to take down every barrier that you think is separating you from him. There's no problem he can't you know, solve. There's no obstacle he can't overcome. There's no sin he can't forgive. There's no regret that's going to keep you separated from the great love of God. We serve a God who loves to seek and to save the lost. In his own words, Jesus said this one time. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever puts his trust in God's son will no longer be lost but will have life that lasts forever. And here's what I want you to know. Today on this Easter Sunday, here's what I want you to believe is true. You are loved. You are loved. You have never not been loved. You have always been loved. And there is nothing you could ever do that would separate you from the great love of God that was revealed through Jesus, in Jesus, by Jesus, on the cross. And the good news about Easter, the good news about Easter Sunday, the good news about today is that the cross wasn't the end of the story. Everybody thought on that Friday some 2,000 years ago when Jesus breathed his last breath, when he said, it is finished, when they took him down from the cross and they stuck him in that borrowed tomb, they thought the story was done. They thought the story was over. They thought Jesus was finished. But the story wasn't over. They thought it was over on that dark Friday, but then came Sunday. And then on that Sunday, a new light dawned. The good news of Easter is that any barrier that you thought might separate you from God has already been broken down. 
the last great enemy, the last great obstacle, death itself has been overcome. Jesus rose from that grave some 2,000 years ago, and one day we will rise again with him. For God so loved the world, whoever puts their trust in him will no longer be lost, but one day we will be resurrected to new life with him. And I don't know about you, but this is good news, church. Because this world, after all we've been through, after all we've come through, and I know we're not there yet, but the best is yet to come. Because there is a new day that will dawn. There is a resurrection Sunday coming like no other when all of us will rise and we will experience new heaven and new earth. So let me just ask you, what's stopping you? What barrier is there between you and God that's keeping you from coming home to God? What obstacle have you erected that you feel like you just can't overcome? What past sin is it that's holding you back? What problem is it that you can't figure out how to solve? What what, what is going on in your heart, in your life that is keeping you separated from God? What will it take for God to convince you that there is actually nothing that can separate you from his great love for you? This is the story of Easter. For God so loved the world. That he gave Jesus for you and for me. So that all of us, all of us lost sheep, people just like you and me, can find our way home and can come home to God. Church, let's stand. I know we live in a world of headline stories, but this is the headline story of Easter. It's love. It's a love so great. It's a love so great that there's actually nothing you could ever do that would make God love you less. And so before we close, I just want to offer this simple invitation. If for some reason you've never stepped into the loving embrace of your father, I want you to know that invitation is open for you. If for some reason you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know I want you to know that there's nothing that would make God happier than to welcome you home. Some of you, you're watching right now at your home. You're watching online. I want you to know there's nothing you could ever do that would make God love you less. And I want all of us to understand that if you're ready to make that confession of faith, if you're ready to step into those waters of baptism, if you're ready to, to rise up out of that watery grave and to, and to come up out of that water, I want you to know when that happens... You don't come up alone. You don't rise up unforgiven. No, when you rise up out of those waters of baptism, you rise up with the Holy Spirit of God living and dwelling inside of you. When you rise up out of those waters of baptism, you rise up forgiven and clean. Jesus isn't offering you a better life. Get that. He's offering you a different life. He's offering you a new life. He's offering you eternal life. And so if today, if you want to make that confession of faith, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, come find me. I see Jason in the back. He'd love to talk to you. Any of us would love to help you find your way home. For the rest of us, if you've already made that confession of faith, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, can we live today with that resurrection power in our lives? Can we partner with Jesus in this world to be people on mission with Jesus, to find those lost sheep, those who've been out in the woods all by themselves for a year, for three years, for five years, for 50 years, and let them know, share with them the good news of the great love of God. Because this is good news. God so loved the world 
that Jesus willingly gave his life so that you and I could live. Let's sing.